today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Interesting stuff happening because of COVID-19, especially in the commercial sector. And we've talked about the impact it's having on small business. Well, it's having an impact on larger businesses, too. The Hudson's Bay Company is locked into a legal battle right now about the rent that they pay at a number of malls in which they are located. And uh, there's some concern about whether or not they're going to get booted out because they haven't paid the rent for a while. But there's a much bigger issue at play here. That's It's well beyond the headline. And to talk about that, I want to bring Ian Lee into the conversation. Ian, of course, with the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University of Ottawa. Uh, good morning, Ian. Thanks for joining us today. Morning, Bill. Uh, the, the, the non-payment of rent is one thing, and that's, that's sad, sadly something that's going on in the retail sector all over the place. But Hudson's Bay Company's got their own set of problems even before the pandemic, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Uh, no question about that. I've been following this company partly because I've been a consumer of their company for a long time, partly mm-hmm. because, of course, it's the oldest company, I believe, in the world. If Certainly the oldest company in Canada. It is, It was yeah. actually created, unlike most corporations, by an act of um, uh, through regulation. Uh, the king of England created it 350 years ago with the so-called Royal Charter, which is basically the king writes a letter saying, I create you. Uh, very unusual. <laughs> very, very rare. So it's historically intriguing. And, and the most important reason of all why I've been following it is um, it's an iconic brand that is being very badly hurt, like many other very well-known iconic brands, Sears and companies like that, by the shift in our, our purchasing consumption. That is to say, we are living through... Uh, an unprecedented period. I know people say that word all the time, but it truly is because from the beginning of human history until a few years ago, you would go to the physical location to pick up your product. In ancient times, you know, caveman times, you went out and killed the animal and brought it home, you know, to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to get too <laughs> historical here, but I mean, up until very recently, if you wanted something, you had to go to a store to get it. Where else could you get anything? You went to the store. I mean, throughout my entire life. And then starting 10, 15 years ago, Amazon invented, basically, created the category of e-commerce. They disconnected the act of buying something from the act of physically going to the store to get the something. And, you know, everybody takes this for granted now, but this is really profoundly revolutionary. And it's taken a lot of companies, a lot of, they've gone through great difficulty trying to adapt because they're so you know their whole brain their whole everybody in the retail sector at least especially older people of my age and generation that's the only world they've ever known and and so the idea that you go online on a computer screen and you look something up on a computer screen and order it and it comes to your house by FedEx or some of the delivery uh, service is just completely alien to them and it changes the way you do everything. It changes the way you order things as a company. changes the way you market things. changes the way you display things. And the old-line retailers that were so successful for 100 years from the mo- emergence of the modern economy around the 19, early 1900s have had a terrible time adjusting. And that's why you've seen these very iconic brands failing, going bankrupt, and and Sears, of course, was uh, one of the most famous, and and so that's why I've been studying what's going on with Hudson's Bay. And to, now to answer your question, that was sort of my long, long answer. <laughs> Hudson's Bay was in trouble long before COVID, as were as are quite a few other very large brands. People are saying, "Look at how COVID's blowing everything up." 
COVID is merely accelerating things that were already there, subterranean, you know what I mean, underneath mm-hmm. the, the, the naked eye, uh, underneath the ground. And these trends are speeding up, but COVID did not create them. They were there already. Do you know it's the ultimate irony about this, Ian? Uh, as you mentioned, two of the iconic Canadian brands uh, that, that we are no longer worth us, one being Eaton's, of course, and, and Sears. Yeah. Uh, and both of them in their heyday, of course, yes, there were people that just you know flocked to their stores, but they had catalog shopping. So in other words, you could order stuff uh, instead of going to the store. Which was the precursor of online shopping. Yet it was on. They, and they both they both dropped the idea of catalog shopping. Nobody wants to do that anymore. Well, it morphed into into online shopping, and that's ultimately was that was what their demise, because uh, they did not have the vision. They were actually the pioneers in this, and they didn't realize what a good thing they had at the time. You're, you're, that's the one of the great ironies. You're absolutely right. Sears invented the catalog, and the catalog was really the physical precursor of online shopping. Yeah. Now they created the catalog as a substitute for <clears throat> the real thing of going into the real store and buying real product. So the catalog was in rural and remote communities. My mother yep. grew up in rural Saskatchewan and and they used to, you know, just it was just a, an extraordinary experience she told me looking at Not the, too many Sears stores out there. <laughs> Not too many physical Sears stores around if you're out in rural Saskatchewan or rural Ontario or rural anywhere. That's where the catalog was so critical because it brought the shopping center to the to the person at, uh, in the rural remote community or remote community. And but you're quite right. Sears didn't realize that they had done the idea of marketing and putting together a fancy glossy catalog with lots of color pictures and models in it would modeling the different products and if the, and I guess because they thought that it was just a substitute and a poor substitute a weak substitute an inadequate substitute for the what you really wanted to do which was to really go into the store and buy the shop and older people that they probably still see that as the real way to shop but you talk to young people, you talk to millennials, and they see that as archaic. They mm-hmm. see that as old-fashioned. <laughs> they would much prefer, I talk to students all the time, that's my core business. I have 250 students flowing through every year, every year. All 22 years of age, I get one year older every year, they never change. They're always the same age. That's <laughs> <laughs> quite, a, quite a phenomenon. But my point is, I talk to them, I mean, they're just so digital now. And so to that generation, the emerging, you know, the millennials and the Gen X and so forth, doing everything with an app is the way to go. And these, the, the Sears and the Hudson's Bay and the Macy's and the J.C. Penney's, all these big bed, bath, and beyond, they have not made the transition yet. I mean, fully. I'm mean, talking mentally in their heads. Um, and they're still thinking in the bricks and mortar world. I just want to mention one thing, though, Bill, before we go forward. A sure. lot of, there's a lot of people saying, oh, this is terrible. It's going to create mass unemployment. It's just, going to, it's just terrible. And I argue that's not tr- accurate because this is not a reduction of GDP. When a store closes, they say, oh, my God, look at this. is terrible. All that's happening is you and I and millions of other you and me's are just instead of getting this product from the store, we're ordering it online, but we're still buying the product. We're still spending the money. So it, our GDP is not going down, and people say, well, they use a lot less jobs, but I want to see an accounting, which I have not yet seen. 
of all the people in the supply chain, when you go online, I mean, Amazon, in the last six months, and this is Amazon World, but mostly the states, have hired apparently over 400,000 people. Yeah. And then you've got all the truck drivers and, and the drivers of all the FedExes and all the UPSs and all the parcel courier companies. So, you know, I don't buy the argument that it's a net-net reduction of jobs. All we're doing is recreating the jobs in a different part of the economy. They're now called Amazon Distribution Warehouses. We're, we built one in Ottawa, just, just 20 minutes out on the outskirts of Ottawa, down the four, Highway 417, and now they're building yet another one. And that's just one city. And then you've got all the hundreds of thousands of drivers, millions of drivers probably across North America. And so I'm not trying to be Pollyannish about this and say, oh, this is wonderful, wonderful. I'm just saying that the closing of these stores is, is it's a restructuring that's going on that we're living through. But it's the same thing that we saw with the closing of, of the blockbuster videos when we went to streaming. And it didn't bring the economy to an end and bring the Canadian or American economy to its knees. And we just take it for granted now. You watch a movie online on your TV exactly. set. You don't go down to the video store to pick up a, a VHS tape. I mean, that's just so old-fashioned, archaic. They're not there. We, once upon a time, had milk delivered by the milkman to the door <laughs> of houses. But we don't do that anymore, and it didn't destroy the economy. So there's a restructuring, a transition going on. Yes, there will be temporary dislocation. Some people are going to lose their jobs, and then the economy is going to reabsorb them into other parts of the, the economy. It's interesting twist here. Uh, uh, to do with the, uh, the Hudson's Bay Company, and and it comes to do with the malls. I guess it was about late 1950s, early 1960s that malls became really popular. And, yeah. You know, there yeah. was a fear that they were going to kill downtown cores, etc. But the the rule was, and I, I guess in and I've talked to some of the folks that manage some of these malls, and I guess they still f- grasp onto this that you have to have at least one anchor store yeah. Uh, yeah. or two. It had to be a Hudson's Bay Company, a Sears, an Eaton's. Yeah. That's what was going to draw people. Well. They don't need these anymore. The, the managers I've talked to now said, we're still getting traffic into the mall, but they're not going to the big stores. We don't need them anymore. They're going to the Apple store. They're going to this store, the specialty stores within the mall. So, I mean, consumers have changed their attitude as well. I agree completely. And I say that not because I, when I say I've studied it, I don't mean I've studied it in a book or a textbook or something. When I go shopping, I often go shopping because I am a professor in a business school and I do talk about this. So I'm constantly watching. Sort of, I'm almost like an anthropologist, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And so I go into the bay at, at Bayshore here in Ottawa, which is a big, big honking mall. And, and I've noticed that, that the small, the, the Apple type stores, they're, they've got people, they're, they're stuffed with customers. I'm talking pre, just before COVID. And, yeah. and you go into the big box stores, the big anchor stores, and there's people in there, but not like there used to be. I go into the Rideau Center, which is right downtown Ottawa near the Parliament yeah. Hill, only two blocks away. And, and the, you know, you go to those stores, those big, big, big anchor stores, and you just, you can walk through that store and hardly see a customer. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, if you went back 10 years ago, the place would just be just, just stuffed to the rafters with customers. So there is a shift going on. The specialty stores continue to thrive. They're doing okay. And it's the, it's the anchor tenants that are experiencing such pain because they're still, they've still got sales. But when you're that big a store and you've got that many thousands of square feet, you've got to be generating $400 a square foot to be viable. And if you're only getting in $200 a square foot of sales, you've got a problem. You've still got sales, but you can't cover your costs. 
and big box stores have huge overhead. Huge overhead means you've got to have large numbers of people flowing in there. Whereas the Apple stores and these other specialty stores, they've got little tiny slivers, I mean, compared to the size of the bay. And so they don't have to generate, you know, the same sales per square foot that a great big anchor tenant does. And so I think the economics of anchor, um, of anchor department stores is now working against them. Once upon a time, it worked in their favor with economies of scale, and now it's working against them. And they're going to be, uh, and we're going to see more and more of them close. Or downsize. I mean, or you know, downsize. you don't need five thousand square feet anymore. I noticed that. I was in that mall in Ottawa, downtown Ottawa, a couple of years ago when we were there for Grey Cup, and and the mall, of course, on a Saturday afternoon was was just packed cheek to jowl. Yeah. You went across the walkway there, uh, at, at, over to the Hudson's Bay store. I, right. I I wasn't even sure they were open. I didn't yes. see anybody. Exactly. So no, and, and that's that's what's on going on. And you know, you don't need whatever it is. I don't know, it's a hundred thousand square feet or whatever it is. You just don't need that much because a lot of this stuff, I'm not saying everything. I'm not one of these people who says that we're going to go from zero e-commerce to 100%. I don't believe that. By the way, a quick big picture uh, number for your listeners, and people may be shocked at how low it is because people think that you know e-commerce has taken over everything. E-commerce in Canada is up to 10% of retail sales. That means that 90% are still sold in stores. Now, I am one of those people that believe it's going to go up. We're living through the transition and the transformation. But it's not going to go to 50 or 100%. It might go to 20% of retail sales. It might go to 30%, which is still going to be a lot of stores closing. Sure. But it's never going to go to 100% because e-commerce is shortening the gap. I call it the gap between the time in my head I say, I want something, to the time I have it physically in my hands. But e-commerce cannot compete with bricks and mortar if you want that right now, in the next 10 minutes, I can jump in my car and go to the Reader Center. I can go to Billings Bridge. I can go to any shopping center near me within 10 minutes. And so the gap to go shopping between the time it's in my head I want it and the time I can get it is about 10 minutes for bricks and mortar shopping. I do not believe e-commerce can bring that gap down to 10 minutes. They can bring it down from a week, down to four days, three days, two days, and maybe even the following morning. But they can't get it down to 10 minutes. So there's always going to be people who say, I'm not willing to wait till tomorrow. I want it right now. And so there's going to be a future for bricks and mortar. It's just not going to be 100% of sales. It's going to be maybe 50, 60, 70% of retail sales will be in the physical store. And about a third of retail sales will be online. But that's still a lot more than it is right now today. It's about 10% of retail sales. I got about a minute left here, but I think probably to underscore this, I'm just trying to go through on online here. I think Hudson's Bay's gone through at least three different CEOs over the last four or yeah. five years. They're trying to find somebody who can figure this out. That's right. You, when you, when you, I teach this in my strategy class. In fact, I just had a class this morning. And I said one of the signs of a, of a company that's in trouble without getting into the industry being in trouble, is when you have frequent changes to CEOs. And they're, you know, they're going through a revolving door, and that's because they're looking for, it's almost like a coach in the NFL, you know, where they just fire one and then they fire another. Well, it's because they're losing. <laughs> it's because they're doing terribly. When you are really doing well, you don't fire. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So when you start firing your CEO and then firing the next and the next and the next, it's because you haven't figured out how to deal with the changes that are going on in your world, in your industry. And that's what's facing, that's what's facing Hudson's Bay, as well as Macy's in the States, uh, who are also closing stores, and JCPenney and so forth. 
Ian, always a pleasure to get your perspective on this. Thanks so much for it. My pleasure, Bill. Thanks. Take care. Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University. Uh, email from Alexis, bkelly 900 com says, not everybody goes to shopping malls for the interior stores. I've been to Limeridge Mall, Burlington Mall, Mapleview Mall, and many dozens of times and never gone past the Hudson's Bay store to the interior of all of, any of them, uh, which is true. And, and that's one of the pivots, by the way, that Hudson's Bay made a couple of years ago when they started going with, uh, uh, you know, got rid of all the appliance stuff and everything, put that in a different store, and uh, and went with uh, designer fashions, especially especially when it came to ladies' fashions, and uh, that's held them in pretty good stead. And I think that's why, as Ian said, they're going to survive. They're just going to have to survive in a different way, that's all. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.